You ever wonder why relationships are so dang hard, especially marriages? Gosh, you fall in love, you commit your lives together, but still there's conflict. Well, today in this episode, I interviewed Jeff and Jessica Jennings, and I asked them the questions about relationships that you never even knew that you had, and I get those answers. They're gonna blow your mind. You're gonna have epiphanies in this episode, learning about how you can improve your relationships. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr., and today I bring you Dr. Jeff and Jessica Jennings. When I was a Division I All-American athlete, I was hyper-focused and I was able to take consistent action that allowed me to be one of the best in the country at what I did. Well, for years after I was done competing, I just struggled to stay focused on my goals day in and day out. I was easily distracted, so I wasn't able to stay consistent, the kind of consistency that you need to have to achieve goals that are meaningful to you. It was discouraging for me. I felt like I was just slipping kind of into mediocrity. Then after interviewing some of the highest performers in the world, Olympians, CEOs, billionaires, best-selling authors, I discovered how they do it. I discovered 18 powerful and sometimes weird tactics that they use to stay focused at work, focused on the right things while also living a balanced life. And if you start using probably just three of these today, you're going to get more done in the next eight hours. I promise. This is not tomorrow, not next week. These will work today. I guarantee it. It's like magic, but they're real world solutions to it. People like you and me want the ability to stay focused, avoid distraction and be consistent. I use at least four of them every day and have used all of them at some point. And now I'm able to stay focused while I'm at work and get probably 50 to hundred percent more done each day. I'm more present when I'm home with my wife and four kids. And the result is I have a stronger relationship with my family and I'm still able to achieve incredible goals like being selected to give a TEDx talk at one of the biggest TED events in the world, like launching a podcast and talking to A-list guests and running a half marathon, all of this while having a full-time job that includes frequent travel, working nights and weekends and all that good stuff. So you're going to find solutions on this list that are going to surprise you. Grab your copy of the 18 Tactics to Staying Focused at Work. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash focus. That's jimharshawjr.com slash focus. Dr. Jeff and Jessica Jennings have decades of experience. They both come from different places in their lives. Jeff has had a lot of examples in his life when he was growing up of bad relationships. Jessica had a lot of examples of good relationships. So they really come from these differing backgrounds and they bring this together through, like I said, decades of experience. They are now relationship coaches through The Greatest Marriage Ever. And you can check out their website, greatestmarriageever.com. But man, in this episode, they really break down all the nuts and bolts of why relationships are so hard and why it's actually worth putting effort into them. I asked them one question. I didn't know that they were going to have an answer to this question. I was just going to maybe edit it out if it kind of got awkward because they didn't have an answer to this. But I asked them a question pretty early on in the interview and man, they nail it. And I had this huge epiphany in terms of, you know, why are relationships important, right? We hear that there's research out there about the importance of relationships, but, but we're really, you know, thinking maybe I should just work harder at work or try to make more money or get that promotion or buy that new car. But that 
is not the answer to happiness. And sure, you might know that logically, but they really give us the why behind that. Anyway, some pretty fascinating answers to some of these questions that I, I was just throwing the whole book at. That I was asking them questions. I'm like, I don't know if they're going to have an answer to this, but they kept hammering home runs. So you're going to get so much out of this episode. Listen, we all struggle in relationships like success through failure. It's a thing in relationships too. Like you can learn from this stuff, but not unless you actually take action on it, right? And what they do in this episode is Jeff and Jessica, tell us how we can actually take action, like how we can actually you know, learn from our failures, learn from our setbacks, learn from our mistakes, and actually learn from their mistakes and their failures as well. They actually open the book and they, and they, they share with us about their own challenges. Like it's not perfect for anybody. I mean, mar- marriages and relationships, they are dynamic things. They're always changing and they really open up and share some really, really awesome stuff that is tactical and practical and helpful for you. Relationships are the number one area where we start setting goals. When I work with clients, I don't care if you want to make a million dollars or double your income or lose 50 pounds, whatever it is, we start with relationships because that is such a key to happiness and a key to making every other goal more possible. All right, let's get into it. Here's my interview with Dr. Jeff and Jessica Jennings. So I'm going to hit you with a big, broad question first. You know, when we get married, and most of this conversation is going to be in the context of marriage, really, right? Significant others in marriage. But like, you know, when we get married, we think like, okay, we're both in love and everything should just be happily ever after from here on out. I mean, if, we, if we're in love and, and we've kind of maybe been engaged for a while and we know we're right for each other, everything should just be easy. I mean, right? Why is that not the case? Why are relationships hard? Yeah, that's really, you know, what a lot of people call the the in love myth, right? You know, we think that if we're in love, <laughs> that it should just be easy. You know, if you've met the right person and you've fallen in love, then it's just sort of smooth sailing after that. But it's not, right? Relationships are hard. And anything worth having in life, you have to work at it, right? And it takes effort. You know, there are a lot of research has been done on relationship these days. I know you've referenced the Grant study before on your podcast, the the Harvard study that has been going on for 80 years, you know, and what it's found is that, you know, the single best predictor of happiness and health over the longevity of our life is the quality of our relationships. But it takes work. It takes work to make relationships work. And, you know, despite having this knowledge about relationships, not just being sort of some aspect of life, but really being the key to life, despite knowing this, we spend so much time and effort pursuing other endeavors and enterprises that we think are going to bring us happiness, right? And we don't really invest the time that we should be investing into our relationships and especially our marriage, you know. Absolutely. And sacrifice can sound like a bad word, but it's really amazing that when we sacrifice for the things that matter most, we find such benefit. And so relationships are hard because I believe that they are literally a worthy and sacred struggle towards connection. I believe we are not meant to be alone. And yet that comes with a certain price. And it's worth it, though. It's so worth it. And even a Time Magazine article showed that when we are in a relationship, we have better 
health. We have better wealth. We have better sex. I mean, and that's oftentimes something we don't think is congruent with a long standing marriage, but it is. And we want to just continue to unveil the truth and, and kind of brush away the myth that marriage is easy. It's not, it's hard, but don't be discouraged because it is so worth it. It is literally a worthy, sacred struggle that we can either choose to engage with for deeper connection, or we can choose to push away and try to self-protect. And so my passion would be that people really hear this. And instead of being scared by it, they're encouraged to Mm -hmm. say the reason it's hard is because it's real and it's going to transform us in ways that we need to be transformed, but sometimes wouldn't choose it Mm -hmm. otherwise. (laughs) Yeah, a survey of like over 700 older adults, you know, they all said almost unequivocally that the best aspect of their life, you know, was having a long term marriage relationship. But they also all said unequivocally that marriage was either hard or very hard at certain um, points. At certain in their points. Marriage. Yeah. Yes. But another reason I think marriages are hard and relationships are hard has a lot to do with our expectations. You know, we have such high expectations of our marriages these days. You know, marriages used to serve just some really basic functions. You know, we find someone to do life together, raise kids together and grow old together. And, you know, and that was about it. But now, you know, because of, you know, maybe what we saw in our parents' relationship and we want something better, you know, because we don't want to settle, because we you know, I've seen the negative impact that divorce can have on our emotional well-being and financial well-being and things like that. You know, we really want to make sure, you know, we get it right and we've developed it into a science. So we have all these, you know, matchmaking websites and all these tools, you know, we can use these days to find just the right partner. But what also comes with that is we expect a lot more out of our marriage when we get married, whether we've used these tools or not, or, you know, we've just delayed marriage, which a lot of younger people are doing these days. They're delaying marriage until sort of like the optimal, you know, time. But we go into marriage, I think, with much higher expectations. And we know, you know, our, our expectations going into any kind of enterprise has a significant impact on our level of satisfaction. I'm going to ask you a question that's sort of three parts, and it goes back to the grant study, really. And maybe you have an answer for this and you don't. And if you don't, that that's fine. You can just make something up. But, you know, if relationships are so key, uh, first of all, why? Like, do you have a, a philosophy on, on why? Like, why is it that relationships, is it maybe sort of, you know, ancestral or biological to us? Why is it that relationships are the thing that make us happy? Number one. And number two, why do we pursue other things? Like, why do we think, oh, well, if I just make more money, if I get that promotion, you know what, if I buy that car, if I get the bigger house, like, why do we think that those are the things when, when they're just not like research has proven it over and over again. So again, why is it that relationships do make us happy and why do we still pursue other things? That, yeah, that's a great question. You want to start? I think relationships make us happy because at our core, we have a longing to be seen, to be known, and to be loved. And I know that's maybe more philosophical or spiritual, but I believe it's true. And relationships call out the fundamental reality that it is not what we do that makes us great. It is who we are. And relationships are the single place where we can find this 
ability to see ourselves. That's why marriage is so profoundly important because it's a quiet but beautiful place where we can reflect and be seen, where we can see and be seen, know and be known, love and be loved. And so it allows us for this sense of safety so that we can let down our guard, so that we can know ourselves in a way we never would have known ourselves otherwise. And I believe that makes us better people. I believe it makes us better entrepreneurs. It makes us better at you know our daily tasks. It makes mm. us better people. And so relationships are foundational because they meet the core need of our heart, but they also reflect the core value of our being um, because it's saying you are important to me. You are valued, not what you do, not who you know, not how you know amazing you are in these ways. We, we definitely can appreciate those things about the one we love. But at the end of the day, guess what? We need to know we're loved in the mess. We need to know we're loved when we don't have our stuff together. And I think that's one of the things that has brought me so much joy is to be seen by Jeff in ways that he is not happy with me. And yet he still loves me. He wants me to grow in ways, but he's also there and saying, I'm not going anywhere. Hmm. And that gives me comfort to say I can be called out on my stuff and I can grow, but he's not going anywhere. Hmm. And that is a comfort. And it also is a happiness because it helps me develop who I am as a person and recognize the true value of each other, knowing each other and loving each other well over a, a lifetime of change. And I would add to that, you know, a big reason why relationships are so important is because we're wired for a relationship. You know, we are wired to attach and bond with other human beings. And, you know, as mammals, as human beings, <laughs> we require to be connected and attached and bonded to our primary caregivers much longer, you know, for our survival than, than any other creature on the planet. So we're really wired for this and relationships, you know, really are key to sustaining our lives in, in a number of ways. And another reason I think knowing that, you know, we struggle, why, why do we still pursue these other things is what you asked is because it's sort of in the first question, right? Relationships are hard, you know, they're not easy. We can't control them, you know, we can't control another person. So, you know, we spend a lot of time and energy and effort these days trying to optimize, optimize our health, optimize our performance, optimize our productivity. Well, guess what? You can't optimize another person. You know, we don't have as much control over that. There are a lot of factors outside of our control when it comes to our relationships. So in some ways, you know, we as human beings, we like to be in control. So we want to pursue the things that we have control over that we think are going to bring us satisfaction. And relationships are messy, you know, and we don't have control in that situation usually. But in learning how that works, it allows us to surrender so that in that relationship, we can change what is within our power. And so the reason we often run from relationships as well is we feel insecure, we feel vulnerable, we don't know what to do because no one taught us. No one taught us how to dig in deeper and do the hard work of the relationship to gain the satisfaction that can come. So sometimes when we're dissatisfied and we're feeling invalidated, like, you know what? I'm not doing so well at home. Guess what? I'm doing really well at work or I'm doing really well on my mm -hmm. mountain bike or I'm doing really well, like, you know, doing these other things. I'm going to go do those things and just avoid the fact that I'm feeling insecure and 
um, unhappy with things going on at home. And our hope is that we can face those things because they're actually our inroad to what's going on with us. And instead of looking at how to fix it, we can just look at how to be with one another and how to be able to grow in that. And that's exciting to me because I do believe we will become literally our best selves in the depth of relationship when we're doing the work because we're going to be transformed in that. And so don't hear me say that if you focus on your relationship, you won't accomplish those things. I think through the safety of your relationship, you will be launched into being the most successful person you can be. But it starts with connection. Um, and then it moves out into our ability to move into the world in a safe way, in, a, in an adventurous way, because we know we have a safe place to come back to. You mentioned sacrifice and when we think about the idea that, you know, we can control these other things, right? I can control what time I go to work in the morning. I can control how hard I work. I can control the degrees that I get. I can control the certifications or the whatever, like our health. You know, I can control the pills or the workouts or the whatever that I do, but relationships, that's, that's such, I had an epiphany when you explained it that way. It's like, gosh, that's it. Like, you can't control the other person, but we want to. We want to control them and tell them, well, you're doing this wrong or you should do it this way and my way is better and we feel that way. And it's like, oh, you keep, that doesn't, doesn't work, right? And Jessica, you mentioned sacrifice and this idea that, you know, we, we hesitate to, to say that word around relationships, but it's like, I, I think it's, it's true, right? Like you do a hard workout and it's like, well, I'm sacrificing to, for my health. Well, are you sacrificing, but you're investing, whatever. Like we, we understand the language there, what we're getting at. Like, so what is that sacrifice? I mean, wh what do you mean by sacrifice and what kind of things might you consider when you're trying to wrap your head around sacrificing or figuring out this thing that I can't control that is the most important thing in my life, but I can't control it. Like, what are some things that I can start doing that the listeners can start doing to have an impact on that part of their life? Yeah. How do we flesh that out? And, and I encourage people to start small, you know, because mm -hmm. <laughs> that sacrifice sounds like this huge, big word that feels really scary, right? But it can be something as simple as considering the us of the relationship. In other words, knowing that before I was married, there was me and I was making breakfast for one, right? But now it's a sense of, of seeing that I can make breakfast for two. It's a small sacrifice, but it's something I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the other person. I'm, I'm considering their needs in the moment instead of just considering my own. Now, it doesn't mean my needs aren't met too. Like I'm getting a great breakfast. I probably honestly am getting a better breakfast now that I'm married than I did when I wasn't married because I'm called to a higher standard. I'm like, Ooh, I want to make quiche instead of just maybe eggs or something like that. And not that I have to do that every day. Goodness gracious stuff is, you know, not expecting that. But I love to do that. That's something simple and small that says there is an us here. Or running a special errand that you might not run for your mm -hmm. spouse because they're running behind that day. Or Jeff was running behind the other morning and I was like, you usually take the dog out. Please let me do it. And I'm so grateful he said, yes, those are small sacrifices. I had the time to do it. I had the energy to do it. And I just simply noticed. And so stop for a moment and just notice the things mm -hmm. that could make a big difference that go from me to we, that go from I to us. And that becomes a simple but significant sacrifice that says, I notice mm -hmm. and I care. And it can be major things like 
deciding you want to take a different vacation because your spouse really wants something. But I find that that sacrifice actually becomes this giddy excitement, like, ooh, like maybe I can make it a surprise and plan something special. And, you know, it's kind of starts to get exciting. So it benefits you too, as, as the giver, if you will, or the one who is sacrificing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we have a saying, you know, before people fall out of love, they fall out of the practice of love. You know, so people don't just fall out of love like it just happens magically. Right. We stop doing the things that we were doing in the beginning of the relationship when we were courting each other, when we were newly married. You know, a lot of these types of things came very easily for us. We wanted to do things for our partner. You know, we wanted to make those sacrifices. We wanted to show them, you know, our best selves. I have a friend that says, no, when you're dating, you should show your partner your worst self <laughs> right away and get it out of the way. That's how you're going to know if you're compatible or not. But uh, but we don't do that. We want to show them our best selves in the beginning. And then after we've been married for a while, you know, we kind of we stop doing those things. You know, we get complacent, we take each other for granted, get sort of wrapped up in our own world, our own jobs and careers and our needs. And we just stop making those little sacrifices that can make a really big difference. But you guys, you guys have this figured out because you're both marriage coaches. So you guys understand this. You understand everything we've talked about. You're helping me have epiphanies. Like you guys have nailed this. It's perfect in your world though, right? Absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Tell us about the struggles or failures. I mean, we talk about success through failure. I mean, tell us about your world, how your relationship has evolved and whatnot. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, we, we fail all the time. You should probably tell you I fail more often than, than she does. No, that's no. not true. That's not true. <laughs> but yeah, we, no, we make mistakes. I remember when we first got married, we were driving around with our real estate agent, you know, right before we got married, looking for a home. And, you know, he found out we were both mental health professionals. And, you know, he said something similar. So well, you guys, you know, must have it figured out. This marriage <laughs> must just be easy for you. And we just laughed because like, no, we have to work at it just like everyone else does. We have our our shortcomings. We have our triggers. You know, we get upset, you know, and we have to do the same things everyone else does. You know, we have to be intentional. We have to make sacrifices for one another. We have to repair, you know, and apologize when we make mistakes. And so to speak to that element of failure and then finding that it is actually our our avenue to success is that that is so much of what marriage is is it's it's recognizing again i have a safe place to mess up like i can be safe and bring out all the stuff all the mess so to speak from you know the closet and just lay it out there and say okay what are we dealing with here and when we can be non-judgmental and supportive and caring. And not that we're that way 100% of the time. Like we have to apologize for that too, for being critical sometimes or for being, you know, impatient or not listening. But I think it's so true that I have the same journey as someone else. It's going to have a little bit different junk I'm hauling out of the closet, but it's the same idea. It's the same thing. We all have it. And if we are going to allow for transformation, we have to allow for deep relationship. And marriage is one of the best opportunities for that lifelong knowing and relationships so that we can change and grow. And we have to be humble though. I mean, there's a lot of humility and the way to foster humility is to recognize that your true value, that you are beyond compare. You are irreplaceable. The person sitting next to you in your marriage is an irreplaceable miracle. At the same time, they're a human being who makes mistakes. And when we know that, we can say, you know what? I did make a mistake there. And it's actually unveiling 
my pathway to do it differently because it's showing me what I need that I didn't get, or it's showing me what I need that I need to do differently next time. And so it's literally our pathway, if you will. It's it's kind of like getting the map so that next time we know how to go, which way to go, how to avoid some of the pitfalls. And that's what we love to do in our own marriage and, and support others in understanding how to make it easier over time, that the mistakes mm. and failures actually give us the roadmap to to navigate it better as we mm-hmm. move forward. So I'm, I'm thankful for the mistakes, not in the moment. It doesn't feel good. I'm thankful for the failures because they do show me what I really need and how I can move forward. Yeah, we all have our cycle. You know, if you've been married for a while, you know that when you have a disagreement with your spouse, it tends to follow a very predictable pattern, right? <laughs> you fall into this cycle and it, regardless of what the content is, it usually goes the same way and ends the same way, you know, and uh, we call it our self-protection cycle and we fall into it. We still fall into it. You know, sometimes we're able to avoid it and sort of, you know, cut it off, you know, at the head before it starts. But a lot of times we fall into it and we have to sort of recognize that we're in it and, and work ourselves out of it. The hope is just that it does get better just for Mm -hmm. everyone out there. Like we have been working at it and it gets better. It gets easier. Your cycles can become a little bit shorter. And that's the hope Mm -hmm. that it doesn't just stay the same, no matter what you're growing and you're maturing. Mm -hmm. And the self-protection cycle is important to identify. It's, It's really identifying when we have been triggered into, instead of authentically connecting through just being ourselves, we're actually engaging in self-protection. So -hmm. our fear brain has engaged and we are technically in something called fight or flight. And so it's very common to understand it biologically, um, but it's very seldom applied to relationships and marriage. And so it's really fascinating when we understand that we have often been triggered into this place of fight or flight and we're not really even thinking clearly. (laughs) We're Mm -hmm. actually just engaging in self-protection. Now, why is this important to know? It's important for me to know that if Jeff is fighting me or running from me, that something in my higher functioning brain can actually turn on and I can say, you know what? He's been triggered here. Something has been happening. So when Mm -hmm. we identify the trigger, we recognize that the person is not attacking us intentionally. They're trying to protect themselves. So that's why we call it the self-protection cycle, Mm -hmm. because it's not, it appears to be an attack, but it's really trying to protect yourself from either rejection or disconnection that you're experiencing in the mm-hmm. relationship. And so that is just an epiphany that allows us to draw closer to each other and also to recognize, gosh, I really have to be aware of my self-protection because mm-hmm. it can really communicate some negative things. If I'm attacking someone, if I'm withdrawing, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm fighting or fleeing, it's going to you know, communicate, I don't like you, I don't want to be in a relationship with you. So we have to identify what's our trigger, what's our behavior, and then what's the other person's response to that, and then what's mm-hmm. their behavior. So we're really then unveiling the ability to move from self-protection to then opening up to more authentic connection. Quick interruption. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to get the notes, quotes, and links in the action plan from this episode. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. That's jimharshawjr.com slash action to get your free copy of the action plan. Now back to the show. And Jeff, you mentioned that we're mammals were wired like this. And Jessica, you alluded to this as well. Like understand there's, there's neuroscience behind this. Like what is the neuroscience that's going on behind this? Yeah. So we talk about it in terms of, you know, we are born, you know, with a drive to connect and a drive to protect. Right. And sometimes these things are when they're working together, it's great. Right. So the drive to connect is attachment, you know, the, that we're wired for deep bonding and deep attachment 
with other human beings. The drive to protect is our our autonomic nervous system, you know, the, the sympathetic branch of the autonomic nervous system that gets activated by the limbic system. You know, it's the driver of all of this and it's fully functioning at birth, right? So our limbic system tunes us in to cues of danger and cues of safety. When we feel safe, we want to move towards something. When we feel there is danger or where we feel there's a threat, we want to move away from it. So again, when these systems are working together, when we feel safe, when we feel secure, when we feel our needs are adequately met and are going to be met, then we move toward, we're able to connect with other people um, and connect with our spouse. However, when we feel threatened, you know, when we feel like our needs, our fundamental needs for love, for belonging and even physical needs are not going to be met when we feel, you know, there's danger or threat present, then our, that fight or flight or flee response, you know, gets activated and we move away, we shut down or we attack, you know, in return. And one of the reasons that's so profoundly impactful is because it's also, as you mentioned, Jim, it's biological. And so our mm -hmm. whole bodies can become flooded mm -hmm. with cortisol, which is that stress hormone with norepinephrine, with epinephrine, you know, with these like adrenaline where we are feeling just like panicked and on mm -hmm. high alert. Or and angry. Anger. You know, sometimes yeah. that's what comes up for us because we're always like trying to protect and anger is a emotion rising up to protect us from something. Right. And so we're going to fight when we're angry. And so this idea that it rises up in us, we're going to feel like something's really wrong. Something's really wrong. And that sometimes is not a total accurate representation of what's happening in the moment. Sometimes we've been triggered from something in the past that says, Oh gosh, I know this is not a safe experience mm -hmm. when it may be very well, it's technically safe, but for us it's not. And so that's why it becomes so complex and it's important to slow it down but this is the beauty is that we can begin to understand for our unique specific spouse what has triggered them and mm -hmm. what's going on. We can understand their history. And so this is another point where we say, oh, I failed there. I, I overreacted to that. No, you didn't. You actually reacted in a way that helps unveil pain from the past so that your spouse can know you more so that you can be better understood. And they can say, oh, wow, yeah, that makes so much sense. That would scare you. I'm going to work on not raising my voice quite so much because I understand maybe that mm -hmm. happened in your past and that's really triggering for you. So in understanding the cycle, we actually can create greater safety and show that sacrificial care to say, I want to change so that it's a safer environment for you. I want to make this slight adjustment so that uh, maybe in the situation in the future, you're not quite as triggered. And then that just brings a sense of love and care like Jeff was saying, it actually increases that sense of safety you have with the other person because you know when I share with them, they're really going to seek to understand and care and even make literal adjustments in their behavior so that we can have a safer, healthier, happier connection in our life. I've heard you guys talk about this story that I really think ties all of this together, all of the concepts that we're talking about. I've heard you tell the nail clipper story. And I think this is just a perfect example of how all of this can play out in the real world. Can you share that story? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a funny story. So, you know, we start off this story, you know, just by saying it's not about the fingernail clippers, you know, and the idea behind that is most of the time in our relationships and our marriages, we're arguing about things that don't really matter. We're arguing about surface things 
that have triggered us or upset us in some way. And what we're not understanding is, is the process. We're not understanding the cycle that's going on that we're falling into. So, you know, this is a story about, you know, me, I like things, you know, to be organized in a certain way. I like to know where to find things, you know. So when I go to a certain place and I open up the medicine cabinet or the drawer, you know, I want to know I can find what I'm looking for. And one of those things are fingernail clippers. And so I keep them in a certain place in our bathroom in the medicine cabinet. And every once in a while, you know, I'd go in there and they wouldn't be there. Jessica had taken them out to use them for something and they didn't get put back back in their place. Jessica, you know, is more of a creative type and, you know, she, you know, and then there's nothing wrong with that, you know, so sometimes she puts things in different places, but I had asked her a few times, I was like, you know, could you please, you know, when you're done with the fingernail clippers, put them back in the same place, just cause I, you know, I went to, went to go find them and I didn't find them. And then, you know, on this particular day, I go in there and, you know, the fingernail clippers weren't in there and I got a little irritated and I spoke to her in an irritated tone about it. You know, my request was a little irritated, you know, and then she got triggered, right? You know, she felt, you know, criticized. Um, She felt my tone, you know, was, was critical, being critical of her. And so, you know, she responds in, in her sort of self-protective way, which is to become defensive typically, sort of defend herself, which is a natural response. And then when she responds defensively, that shuts me down further. You know, when I feel she is responding def- defensively or getting upset with me, then I respond by sort of shutting down and moving away from that, you know. And, you know, we are familiar enough with our cycle to sort of kind of know, like, my tendency is to sort of withdraw a little bit more and shut down. And, but, what we, you know, as we unpack that and, you know, we had to sort of like talk about it more and, and talk about the reasons for that, you know, and sort of looked at, you know, well, why was this upsetting to you and why does this bother you? And as we kind of talk through that a little bit and are able to identify you know, some of the reasons behind that and some of the things that sort of create this sense of sort of chaos, you know, a sense of sort of chaos, it feels unsafe to me, you know, when I, when some things aren't as predictable as I'd like them to be. And that goes back to some of my childhood and the, and the way that I grew up, you know, so without going too deep there, the, what it does is when you're actually able to sort of identify the cycle and identify what's going on and identify sort of some of the underlying reasons for why you respond the way you do, that helps to create greater empathy in your spouse. So when I was able to sort of put my finger on it and we were able to sort of talk through it, then Jessica was able to say, oh my gosh, you know, you're not just being a jerk because, you know, I didn't put the fingernail clippers back in the same place, you know, where you expect them to be. She's like, I understand what that triggers for you and why it upsets you. And and I don't want you to feel that way, you know, so it creates just a greater and deeper understanding of one another. It allows for deeper connection with one another and deeper intimacy with one another as you're, as you make yourself more vulnerable. And I recognize that my defensiveness is really about wanting to show how much I do care and that there Mm. were three different fingernail clippers in there. It just, the very one he wanted, I didn't know that was the one he wanted. Right. So I'm defensive. Like, you know, I do care. I do want it to be good. I don't want it to be chaotic. I'm trying really hard. Like I can't keep, I can't keep track of everything all the time. I don't know. (laughs) You know, but it's communicating that his needs can't be met in the situation. And so when we can break it down, 
and he can recognize it's not his needs I'm pushing against. It's feeling mm-hmm. criticized that I'm pushing against. You know, mm-hmm. it's not his, you know, needs that I don't care about. Then what love can flow from that is what we call the safety cycle, which begins to unpack the self-protection and recognize, no, Mm. I care so deeply about your needs that I want so much to have it, you know, neat and clean, but I'm not always going to be able to. And so how do we do this differently? How can he present his request in a way that said, I know Mm -hmm. you're trying, this is really still irritating to me. And then I can be humble and just really say, you're right. You know what? They, They were actually in my purse, to be honest with you. I had taking them for something else for we've gone on trip or something and never put them back, which is very typical me. So this is this process where I can accept myself and accept my creative side and that I'm probably never going to be quite as organized as Jeff is, right? But that his gift also can benefit me, that I can also validate his needs and that we can grow closer together and begin to see how this heals us, how this helps us validate our needs and that he's not bad for making these requests or needing these things that I care and that we can come together on it, even if I probably will lose or not have them back in the right place in the future. <laughs> no, we're going to deal with it differently, but um, I'm still going to try. I'm still going to still going to work on it. And I'm going to try to present it <laughs> less aggressively when I'm upset, right? It's really cathartic for me to hear this story because I am wired so much like you, Jeff, and my wife, Allie, is wired so much like you, Jessica. Case in point, I couldn't find my deodorant for the past 24 hours. Like my deodorant, I can't possibly understand where, how it could leave the one spot that I place it every day. But I think Allie actually might've used it yesterday and I found it in my daughter's bedroom on her desk. I'm like, how could it possibly, I know my girls didn't take it in here. Allie probably was using it and then like got distracted and like had to, you know, hurry up and handle something in the girls room and set it down. And, but I do want the listeners to know, like, this is normal. Like these little things that, that blow up into, you know, massive marital, you know, divisions, like this is normal and you have to work on it. Like you have to do something. You can't just assume that it's going to get better. Right. And I can't go to Allie and be like, don't ever take my deodorant again and move it out of the spot. Like that, that doesn't work. Right. As you guys just, just talked about, there are things that you can do. There are habits that you can do. Like, so I'm curious, Jeff and Jessica, like, are there any habits that you guys have done over the years yourselves or habits that you coach your clients through the greatest marriage ever? that you coach them to do? Any types of things that that help people be successful? Well, you know, one of the things, you know, we we coach people on is, you know, just a little bit about what we talked about. It's it's making sacrifices and, and just practicing kindness. You know, John Gottman is famous for his research in marriage and, and what he came up with was the five to one positivity ratio, right? So because we as humans tend to have a negativity bias, negative events and things stick with us uh, more than positive ones. They stick to our memory more. Positive events do. You know, the positive interactions in your relationship need to outweigh the negative interactions in your relationship by a ratio of five to one for a successful, happy marriage. All right. So anything below five, you know, if the ratio is even, and certainly if it's inverse, you're not going to feel very happy in that relationship. So, you know, practicing basic kindness, again, going back to practicing some of those things that 
you do in the beginning of your relationship because you want to create as much positive sentiment in the relationship as possible. So we have you know a five day connection challenge, and you know that's all about just sort of like five simple exercises you can do, like practicing gratitude and and sharing with one another positive memories, things like that, that can create more positivity and more positive sentiment in your relationship. Yeah. And for example, one of the things that you mentioned when you are in that place of frustration, when you're feeling like something's going on here and I'm just really bothered by it, it is really important to slow down that cycle. And that's another Mm -hmm. thing to, you're in that place where you feel like, well, we're doing all the appreciation, we're doing all the gratitude, and we're still getting stuck on this, you know, this this cycle of fight or flight, the cycle Mm -hmm. of self-protection. It's really good to slow that down and really unveil that, to really slow that down and say, okay, what was I feeling when I was feeling triggered? Like, I'm just not important to her. Mm -hmm. Now that is a point where you stop and say, okay, that is something we want to talk about. I want to sit down with my wife and say, Hey, I'm not feeling important. And so that's a a conversation that can unveil, Hey, Mm -hmm. what would you need for me in order to feel that way? Because I care about you and I want you to feel important in my life. And so that's a really good exercise too, is Mm -hmm. just to say, what do you need from me? When someone comes to you with something, practice humility and just say, I'm here. I love you. I do care. I do want you to feel like your needs matter, like your success is important to me, or like your things, you know, can be put back where they belong. And, and so that, that apology, that humility, but also that, what can I do? Because Mm -hmm. we need to see our, our beloved, our spouse, you know, our significant other sacrificing, as we talked about at the beginning, that we bring that back around to say, your needs matter. And I do want to help you feel more Mm -hmm. secure, safe, or, or loved in this relationship. Yeah, that's what we what we do in our work with couples is we really help them um, identify and unpack their cycle. You know, the specific responses, the reasons for those responses, what their core sort of needs are in these interactions and in these moments, and then giving them the tools to be able to sort of slow that down and communicate their needs more effectively to one another. It's interesting you mentioned the five to one ratio that John Gottman discovered there's an organization called the Positive Coaching Alliance. This is helps youth sports coaches coach young athletes. And they talk about the five to one ratio of positives to constructive criticism as well. There's just something magical about that number. And it's, it's hard. It's hard to get to five, right? But, but if you can really focus on building up those positives, then, you know, the, the negatives are you know, you want to minimize those, but you can, you know, those are going to be there. They're going to be the challenges that just come up, but you've got to really build up the positives. And I also want to highlight for the listener, you know, you talk about habits, Jessica, you mentioned, you know, asking a question, what was I feeling? You know, what was I feeling in that moment? And then sitting down with your spouse and asking the question, like, what do you need from me? And that's a productive pause. Like this is, you know, this, this, productive pause that I talk so much about on the show, this is the secret to success. It's, it's, I define it as a short period of focused reflection around specific questions that leads to clarity of action and peace of mind, clarity of action, peace of mind. Okay. What do I need to do? And okay, I know I'm doing the right thing and and being able to put your head on the pillow at night, knowing that, that you're doing the right things. And so I encourage the listeners to, to not just listen to this episode and go, okay, good ideas. And then, you know, go on with your day as it might've otherwise gone on. Actually think about, you know, what you were feeling in that last conflict, right? might've been just this morning or in the last 24 hours and then sitting down with your spouse and just having a conversation, asking questions about that. 
So I, I appreciate you guys pointing out some real habits that people can do. And, and I'll ask you this, how about an action item? Like my listeners like to have an action item, something they can do in the next 24 to 48 hours. And maybe you've already shared it. Maybe it's that sitting down with your spouse, but one thing that you can recommend people could do in the next 24 to 48 hours to start taking what you've taught us here today and applying it to their relationships. Well, I would encourage them to go and sign up for our free five-day connection challenge because that's going to give you five action <laughs> items, real simple, you know, 10, 15 minutes a day, things that you can do to start creating more connection and positivity in your relationship, especially if that has felt like it's been lacking or if you just want to some really basic, simple tools for improving that aspect in your relationship. For the listeners, I will say that I've, I've been through the five-day challenge and it's amazing. It's simple. You might say, oh, I'm too busy. And like, I got enough emails. No, like number one, we've already identified, like this is the most important thing in your life. And number two, this is simple and actionable. So I do, I, I, I recommend that as well. So we'll have a link to that, by the way, in the action plan, go to jimharsherjr.com slash action. I'll have the link to that and everything else from this episode, but go ahead, Jeff, you were going to say something else. Oh, I was just going to say, you know, a real simple thing that's a part of that is, is practicing gratitude. You know, we talk about that, you know, in so many aspects of our life and it's really important to apply that to our relationship as well. You know, so just sit down, you know, and write out three things about your spouse or partner that you're really thankful for, that you're grateful for, and then sit down, you know, take about five or 10 minutes to sit down and share those with each other. Excellent. You guys, amazing. We're going to have to do this again sometime because there's so much more to unpack here. But for now, where can the listeners go to find you, follow you, learn more about your program, your, your relationship coaching, et cetera? So they can find us on uh, www.greatestmarriageever.com. They can sign up for the connection challenge there. They can learn more about our coaching services and a little bit more about what we do. We have a blog. They can subscribe to our, our email list and subscribe to our blog. So those are the best ways to, to get connected with us. And we would love to hear from you. Excellent. For the listeners, again, if you can't remember all those links and places to go, just go to jimharsherjr.com slash action or go to greatestmarriageever.com. Jeff. Jessica, you are doing so much good in the world. Thank you for what you do. And thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having us, Jim. Thank you so much, Jim. Thanks for listening. If you want to apply these principles into your life, let's talk. You can see the limited spaces that are open on my calendar at jimharshajr.com slash apply, where you can sign up for a free one-time coaching call directly with me. And don't forget to grab your action plan. Just go to jimharshajr.com slash action. And lastly, iTunes tends to suggest podcasts with more ratings and reviews more often. You would totally make my day if you give me a rating and review. Those go a long way in helping me grow the podcast audience. Just open up your podcast app. If you have an iPhone, do a search for success through failure, select it, and then scroll the whole way to the bottom where you can leave the podcast a rating and a review. Now, I hope this isn't just another podcast episode for you. I hope you take action on what you learned here today. Good luck and thanks for listening.